Bonsai. You're listening to America's most incarcerated podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, drowned like all men by a woman's tears. I'm Ben Cheats, and I'm built different. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I got that dog in me! We're back with another exciting installment of the podcast. Goddamn right. I got that dog in me. Oh, yeah. We got that. We all, we all got that we're dog. We're all dogged in. up and dogged out. Dogged up, dogged out, dogged, dogged up, in. dogged out, dogged in. Dog. Well, we already said dogged out, but you get it? Yeah. We, we're dogging. Who well, the, wait, who let the dogs uh, out? That might have a weird comment. Yeah. Who? Us. We did. <laughs> and the dogs? That's us. They're in us. They <laughs> and get that out. dog in me. <laughs> Are you are you confused yet? <laughs> Me too. It's part of it. Ben uh, is the one who picked the film that we're talking yes. about this week. Uh, we're we're talking about the sequel to a film that we talked about. Uh, Do you just, remember the name? Just a few short months ago. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow! Uh, North sure came prepared. Female prisoner. Female prisoner. Forty one. No, well, Jailhouse wait, wait, wait. Scorpion. No, 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 Jailhouse no. Rock. I actually don't even know. Hang on, we got the Blu-ray <laughs> no, this case This is the right sequel. Here. This is the sequel. Oh shit! Remember oh, the first oh, the first one. one. Female um, Prisoner Seven Hundred One Scorpion. Yes, there it is. Man, yeah. I would never forget Female Prisoner Seven Hundred One yes. Scorpion. You fucking kidding me? Well, it's, so, the movie it, rules. all of these are just a mouthful. This one's Female Prisoner Scorpion, Jailhouse Forty One, which is funny because the jailhouse. Is not really in much most of, of this any movie. Of this movie. <laughs> most of the movie takes place outside of the jailhouse. Yeah. Jail- it's, a, it's a prison break. Movie. Yeah, um, yeah. This this movie uh, came out in 1972, which is the same year that the first one came out. Yeah. You were saying that they really they really cranked these out. Um, it is once again uh, directed by Shunya Ito um, and starring Meiko Kaji as Scorpion. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is a sequel to the movie that Cleveland just said the title of that I've once again <laughs> forgotten. Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion. That's right. That's the one. Oh yeah. There gotcha. you go. So I think before we say anything else about this movie, we should just probably, I think we did this for the last one. Let's just go ahead and just say all the trigger warnings, all the everything, it's a revenge movie. It's a rape. It's a rape. It's another. It's a grindhouse yeah. movie. It's an exploitation yep. Japanese pinku movie. There's go- going to be uh, rape in it. There's going to be violence. It's going to be sleazy and upsetting to some people. And uh, there you go. There unpleasant. You know. And to in some true people. and in true sequel fashion. It turns all of that up from the first yes, one. <laughs> yes, This is the movie I originally wanted to talk about from the get-go. I love the first one, but I love this one even hmm. more. I feel like it turns the uh, the stylistic tendencies of the first to the extreme. Yeah. And really pushes the theatricality and the expressionist and the abstract of the first to such extremes it's maybe the coolest looking exploitation movie out there and i i love the prison break stuff in this movie love a good prison break yeah it 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 feels like it takes the uh the tone of the first and combines it with like sergio leone spaghetti western yes yes stuff it feels very uh outlaw and very you know hot a lot of times and uh i i just love it it's great um i i I would love to hear you guys's initial impressions on this one so i think i said it during the movie you know the john wick universe is uh sort of a just a world where you just assume that literally everyone is an assassin in this movie it's the same except you just assume that literally everyone is a rapist like almost every single character in some capacity is especially man Every man. Yeah. Well, the the women too, though. The women yeah. all commit a lot of rape too. Like, there's there's rape. Everyone's raping in this film, except for our protagonist. But she did some raping in the last one. She did. 
Well, I'm, I'm not going to... I don't think we need to put, like, rape on a sliding scale. Uh, so I won't. But, um, uh, so I won't do that. Let's move into the Way plot. to take a stand, Cleveland. Yeah, I know. Really, I'm, really yeah. Glad someone's, I'm really glad someone's finally brave enough to say it. Yeah, shame on me. For no, not... but, but initial impressions beyond... Beyond you know, there was the exploitation in this movie. Um, of course, it's an exploitation. Of course, um, uh, no, I just I had to get that out of the way. I do I do think that the John Wick comparison is is fun. Um, no, uh, it is extremely cool. I love all of the budget increases. And what I like about like a good sequel is when it plays a lot of the same melodies of the first movie. Uh, but literally, more, yeah, literally. Um, in this case, mm-hmm. but with more instruments, you know, in the score, more budget, more wow, more, more mouth harp, more mouth harp, even twang to twang. There, there are a couple of <laughs> yeah, there's a little mouth harp in this movie. But um, uh, to speak less metaphorically, uh, you know, we have another shot where all the women are punished and they're back digging or dragging rocks, and they're in this quarry. And in the first movie, it's a pit. Sometimes on a set, sometimes not, but it's essentially like a pit in a courtyard area. Yeah, right? they're going from digging and holes to like pulling stuff out of a giant hole. They got a know, mi- they got a mine. real mine this like, time. The prison is like over the top of it. And it looks like a fucking castle, and like it's all it's it's so grand and epic, and and it's such a cool location. Um, and then when they cut to the map paintings, they're doing even more creative stuff than they were in the first movie. Um, I love it. I love the production increase. I love the creative decisions. They also go harder with the creative decisions. There's some really weird, funky shots in this movie, too. Some are just funny. Some are incredible and evoking and powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What I will say is I don't think this movie is as tight as the first one. I think that the first movie does have a pretty tight plot, um, and the beats are nice and present and clear. And this one kind of meanders a little bit more, but this one's also more of an odyssey. So it fits. It yeah, work. and, you know, the difference between the two is the first one is very much a Scorpion movie. You know, it's all about her, where this one kind of turns it into an ensemble movie. You know, it's about the seven escapees. It's the magnificent seven escapees. Yeah. You could say, yeah. And Scorpion takes more of like a like a Clint Eastwood man with no name kind of role in this, where mm-hmm. it's more about like the characters around him. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't. She has like two lines in the whole film, I think, that yeah. come pretty close to the end. Again, um, once again, she's so expressionistic. Just through her eyes alone, though. Yeah. Like, she does so much heavy lifting with that fucking piercing stare that she has. No, it's cool, too. Like, the all the women, um, when they escape, they've got their their same kind of prisoner uniforms from the same movie, which I really love, like, the thick black bars, um, black and white stripes uniforms, but they're also wearing covered ponchos. And it's just a, it really is just like a a cheap wool blanket. Well, to cover their prison outfits, you know? Yeah. Like, um, and to keep them warm. As well, because uh, I like this movie because it has that that uh, yeah the scenes that aren't hot feel like desert chill, and mm-hmm. um, those night shots are great. But there is that one shot where they just come up over the hill, and all seven of them are standing there, and they're all wearing essentially ponchos like a spaghetti western, and it's just a spaghetti western scene, and it's awesome. It's great. It yeah. looks great. The music matches it perfectly. It's just lovely to see. It's all vibes. I love the I love the color palette of this movie oh. because overall it's somewhat desaturated, but it has. So many bursts mm. of like super vibrant colors, and it's not afraid to like fade to red or like have a bright purple light on someone, or even have gels outside. That's yes. something that you almost never see. Absolutely, and it always looks amazing. Yeah, like there's a there's one shot where one of the characters are are defeated, and it's a low shot looking up at them against like a bright blue sky and they're lit with a red gel like and it is actually outside in daytime and it's like i think it's a shoulder mount camera it's pretty free moving and it looks and like the sun is blowing out most of it and even with the sun like giving her like a strong silhouette and it's it's so like the light is so like blown out in the shot you still see like the that red gel on her face seeping through and it looks so fucking tasty there's a lot of shots where they are shifting 
not only the color from like the foreground to the background with like red to green gels, but then the foreground and background gels will simultaneously or sometimes out of sync change color again. So like the bra- the foreground will go from like green to blue and then the background will go from like red to yellow or vice versa. And it's always like with like a really clear emotional intent, like red is usually tethered to like violence, fear, anger. And then blue is like when she's cold and, you know, ponderous and like the, the greens always just feel like so sickly. Uh, there's shots where they're trying to make them feel like ghosts in the night. So they use these like blue and green lights and it's fuck it's so delicious it's so fucking tasty to look at this this movie is yeah gorgeous and it it feels like a comic book yeah no i love it it's very inventive in its cinematography but it all feels uh inspired and it all feels relevant to what's going on mm-hmm. um one of my favorite uh scenes in terms of cinematography is the scene where one of the seven uh, is recounting the tale of her killing her kids because she's mad at her husband. And as she's telling it, it keeps uh, panning over to complete darkness. You know, it's like the camera can't avoid the darkness of the story. And, you know, it cuts between her and Scorpion, and it keeps panning to darkness. And I... I th- I think that's really inspired and cool. Well, I think it's just pan, but it also kind of zooms it's, past them as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's almost silly. It it's it's only silly in how many times they repeat it. I I agree with you, Ben. That I think it's it's a really cool way to sort of like visually um, the darkness of the story is unavoidable. Yeah, to you know? yeah to like visually sort of parallel uh, the the dialogue, but the fact <laughs> the fact that that it just keeps cutting between the two characters and doing the same like punch in and pan over to darkness like mm-hmm. like it, it does it like six or seven times. Um, I, and I, I feel it, like it does much. become a little bit silly through through the repetition. Yeah. Um, it's cool though. Well, it's a filmmaking style that you yeah. know isn't used anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know? I was uh, I was thinking about this um, uh, while watching Suspiria for like the fourth time again last night, and because it it does it too. And there's sequences where the events themselves are very weighted; they're very heavy. These characters are all murderers or have been horribly mistreated or vice versa and or and so it's like even while these events are happening on screen there will be this like sound that i think with modern context i I wonder if even like with context from the 80s pretty silly um you know jaw harps for instance or like like washboard sounds and Mm. or you know but like like the jaw harps like the you know stuff like pretty fucking silly um, and, uh, I was just thinking, like, uh, in, uh, b- both of those movies, um, like, when those moments happen, it's always over such weighted stuff that, like, it, it, you're, you kind of laugh at how corny it is, but there's still, like, a nervous laughter to it mm-hmm. that makes it work. Um, and yeah, it's, you, you wouldn't see it, like, in a modern film, for sure. Like, they're really weird stylistic choices. What I think is so interesting about this movie stylistically is that it feels like its biggest influences are like German expressionism and spaghetti westerns yeah which are a, an interesting combination that I don't know if I've ever seen before no. that kind of like might not necessarily jive if you think about it but like I think the movie does pull it off pretty well mm-hmm. I mean it's you know it is undoubtedly like goofy at times but it's so confident in its like decisions that um I, I even if it's kind of funny or silly like I don't think that detracts from the movie well at all. Right, me, that's like peak yeah. uh exploitation yeah right? totally. like i i want an exploitation movie to not be afraid to be a little goofy yeah yeah, or, yeah. you know overly sincere to the point of unintentionally being kind of comedic well it's ex- everything's exaggerated like that's yeah. one of the hallmarks of exploitation um, cinema is well everything and- is over the top you know more than most other exploitation movies i feel like 
again, this movie is so inventive in terms of cinematography that mm-hmm. it almost feels punk rock at times. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of spinning shots. You get a lot of cool technical split diopter shots. Mm-hmm. You know, the cinematography in this is just incredible in terms of, like, they threw everything at the wall, you know, yeah. in terms of technique. And and it pretty much all pays off as well. Um, I, I kind of agree with something Cleveland was saying earlier that, like, I don't, I don't feel like narratively this one is as tight and well-developed as the first one. It almost feels like they got a little bit lost in the sauce in terms of, like, visual storytelling that, like, the, like, story story is not as is not quite as interesting but i mean just like the commitment to the hyper exaggerated visual style is great i i love it i mm-hmm. better than than the first one too cuz like the first one did this really interesting thing where like a lot of it is like grounded relatively speaking yeah. and, and then they'll have flourish and they'll have these like moments of like hyper stylization like where yeah, they're... i think of like the shower scene yeah finding the woman in the shower and she's got like that the the like she crazy monster ka- kabuki makeup yeah. and stuff and they've got all the colored gels or like when the prison riot starts in the yard and all of a sudden you've got like this matte painting against the back and like the prison yard mm-hmm. looks like a like the world war one like battlefield with like trenches and everything and like go back and forth between that and this movie is like way more just like consistently hyper stylized yes um but they still do that too like i think of like when she's on the bus and then they do a rear screen projection with her like to bring her back or like when they're like outside um uh you know with the old woman when she disappears and she leaves her the knife like, they go, they transition from, like, on location to set seamlessly. I think in the first one, it's often, like, very, like, intentionally, like, jarring. Like, there's a clear separation between, like, fantasy and reality. Yeah. Whereas here, like, the lines have sort of become blurred, and it's really seamless and fluid when we come in and out of those stylistic sequences. It gets well, yeah. incredibly technical, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I love the scene where they're on the, uh, they're, the rotating platform with the old lady... In, with the knife. Mm-hmm. With the knife. And she's on her own rotating platform while the whole thing is rotating, while there's flames in front of the camera, yeah. while all these other characters are doing stuff. It's just, like, incredibly So, technical. like, the background is rotating yeah. at a different speed from the yeah. woman in the center. It's just but yeah, incredible. It's, I've it's never cool. seen anything like it, you yeah. know? Like, it is very theatrical and very unabashed in its being okay with you know just kind of being abstract and theatrical and non you know grounded and uh i i love that i love that yeah i mean it's it's very obviously like intentional the the sort of like theater references I mean, shit, you're, we're talking about the, the old woman who <laughs> Cleveland mentioned looks like David Carradine. <laughs> she does. She does. She looks so, like David Carradine. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, but, like, she's she's introduced, like, after they've escaped and they find the this, like, old abandoned town and they <laughs> they beat a dog to death and eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, Got that but, dog in me. But then, like, they, they hear this sound coming from, like, this building outside this building and they go outside and the building just sort of like collapses on itself and there's just this old woman in the middle like hold sitting there where the building used to be just like holding a knife and like muttering to herself and they find this old woman solely for exposition because like she's so cool it's cool well what my my point about all this is like they do just like a straight up like kabuki narration Mm -hmm. where you know she does the the, there's a term for it that i'm too ignorant to to know but the kind of like 
uh, chant singing narration where she's like, let me tell you the story of the seven sinful girls. And it like, it goes to black and we, you know, we just see each one individually like red lit as the camera kind of like moves past them. And it tells all of the, their stories, what they went to, to prison for. I love how it repeats the same motion mm-hmm. seven times as it's telling all seven of their stories. Yeah. Um, Oh, just so cool. It is cool. And the old lady dies right after. She shows she shows oh, up yeah. delivers like exposition. Delivers you know? Yeah, exactly. But delivers exposition and dies. It happens like right at the right like it happens right at the point in the story where the the hero would be meeting the fates. Mm, yeah, know? exactly. Like, it's where they would be getting their exposition and they would be learning their backstory. But in addition, um and maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I also felt like she essentially represented Scorpion. As Scorpion continues on this path of vengeance, she'll die an old, bitter, vengeful woman. Still, I don't know. Maybe it's too much, but like the way that like she gives her the knife and then she lays down, and the suddenly the returns to the earth, and she's covered in leaves, and then the leaves blow away, and there's nothing there, and then it's winter. That that season transition is, I think, my favorite shot of the film. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, no, it's, it's so sick. It's cool. it's so it's so beautifully shot too. It exists like so outside of like reality, I guess, but it's just like, you know, like it it's it's perfectly evocative and like what it's trying to say. And and the number of times the movie does that are just it, it, another another example I think of that I love is after uh we're really jumping all over the place, but um after the uh, the the guys on the bus like find one of the the, the uh, escapees and like rape her to death and throw her off mm-hmm. the cliff into the water, when all the other women come up, they see the waterfall with her body at the bottom, and all of the water coming off the waterfall turns to blood. It's, it's really like three waterfalls conjoining in one yeah. location. It's like first the one on the left, yeah. then the middle, and the right, like all just red water yeah. coming down. And again, it's. Uh, we talked about it in the 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 first the episode on the first film, but it's it's not just blood red; it's vibrant red paint, giallo red, yeah, giallo red. red. Um, yeah, um, yeah it's no, it's uh, yellow, but. incredibly expressionistic, you know. Mm. Um, and I I love it for that. Again, like I think making these bold moves like this is something we don't see enough of in movies nowadays movies are so afraid to be you know over the top or corny that like we don't get that expressionism that we yeah used to get. N- not as often as in the 70s yeah. and 80s that's for sure but we still do every now and then get stuff like mandy yeah. Yeah. you know stuff that is like hyper sure. stylized um, sure. and, the, uh, the more the more pretentious film folks will cite my nemesis Nick Nicholas Winding Refn, um, but that dude is all style and fucking nothing else. Well, I mean, this movie and the movie before it directly inspired Tarantino. Oh yeah, Jesus know? Christ! The um, I I know we talked about it in the last episode, but my God, you the the lineage is direct. Yeah, I mean, the same song and everything. I was thinking about that. I was just uh, reflecting back on when I was like fourteen and I saw Kill Bill for the first time. Yeah, and uh, how cool I thought that song was. It's one of my favorite things about the movie. Like that whole thing. I her song so of vengeance. Sick. Her song of vengeance. Yeah. Fucking rad. Totally thought it was cool that Tarantino had that song commissioned for that movie. And of course, nope. as I got older, I realized like, no, Tarantino pulls from everything, and he pulls well. Obviously. Yeah, he's a great curator. Great and curator. I think that's Absolutely. One of the strongest sure. aspects but as a director. It is, yeah. it is very funny to me now, knowing that like this movie exists. You know, like if I'd known this movie exists, I would have watched it. Right yeah. Kill Bill well, fourteen. I, I like, mean, it's I, so fucking cool. I think we, I think we probably did mention it on the the episode about the first one, but like the the actress who plays Matsu, uh, Meiko Kaji, is in Kill Bill. Uh, she has a, a she has a, a bit part in that, and also I'm pretty sure that Shunya Ito created the character of the bride that. They that Tarantino oh, really? based Kill Bill off cool. of. So I mean, yeah, this this movie 
Like, these movies so, just, like... That's cool. Kill Bill I, would not exist without it, these it movies. Exist, but also, like, it, it's less of theft and, and more passing of the torch. And I yeah, sure. That. Like, I, I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the argument about Tarantino stealing is, like, as as Silly. old as, as a... he's been around. It's like, yeah, like you said, Ben, he's, he's a great curator. I mean, great artists steal, right? <laughs> like, that's what yeah. it's all about. Well, he certainly tells his own story with it. Like, but I like, will say, this movie feels... Like a primary source rather than a secondary For source. For sure. Which is funny because this whole series is based off of a manga. Oh, that's right. I said comic that's book right. earlier. Yeah. There's, and in this movie, it's even more apparent than before. There are some shots where they just, especially like uh, uh, one of my favorite moments is like when, during the, the courtyard riot in, at the beginning of this movie. Um, there's so many shots where they do freeze frames, but the actors are... Uh, just literally holding still, uh, you know, like a play, like mm-hmm. production would do. And um, they hold on those shots. They're action shots, but they hold on them like panels of a graphic novel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, so it's it's very manga-inspired. They're, they're not afraid to do freeze frame, either. The, yeah. the shot where the kid is being <laughs> thrown. <laughs> they do <laughs> these the, long freeze yeah. frames, and it it's great. It's great. It yeah, works it's, well. It's fun. It's it's interesting how they like will you they utilize freeze frame and also just like having all of the actors hold completely still to like imitate freeze mm-hmm. frame. Like when the in, in one of the first scenes when like the um the like high prison official or whatever comes to inspect the prison and Matsu like tries to kill the warden. And uh, it makes the other dude like fall on his ass and piss himself, and everyone is just like frozen for like thirty seconds, you know. At that moment, it's like before all hell breaks loose, and the women immediately try to rape him. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. As quick as they can. They're, they're even dramatic. though there's even though there's like a hundred other guards all with guns already out around there. It's like ah, he's on his ass. Let's get him. <laughs> what I like about that too is like the guards first threaten to beat the women for like stealing the the guy, uh, but then they all take their shoes up and they throw them at the guards, and we get this weird, delightful shot of like just a million fucking flip flops flying through the air, and. Uh, Maybe I should Well, say you get an but... incredible match cut because it's flip flops and then it's workers' construction hats, and it kind of shows how allegorical well, this movie is because it's like showing like the the same struggle is happening with like blue collar workers, you know, against. Oh, see, I thought know, it was I thought it was class. like the guards, like yes. police hats. Oh, okay. Because well, don't yeah, I it, thought so too. Don't they in like the the celebration at the be- at the very beginning of the first movie where they're getting like the commendation for like good job your prison number one or whatever? Mm-hmm. Don't they have the shot where they all throw their hats up into the air? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that's true. Probably, yeah. That's I true. think yeah. I think that that's what that yeah I don't, yeah I'm pretty that's, sure that's what that cut is supposed to be. There. But it's great because like yeah, so the, the the shoes sort of from the uh, first or from the second movie mirror the hats from the first, mm-hmm. and then. Um, reality kind of comes back oh and then and then all the guards bring up their rifles and they fire into the air letting them know <laughs> it looks it's cut in such a way where it looks like they shoot the shoes out yeah. of the air well, and it's funny too because there's another dramatic pause after they fire into the air and it cuts back to everyone and they're kind of shocked and frozen and uh i was just half expecting like a bunch of shoes to like rain down at some point oh never my god done. that would be funny but uh yeah I was should have yeah and that's the moment where we get those wonderful freeze frames of like people like mm. struggling and all the rest like still in the moment and then yeah the scene ends uh speaking of shoes being thrown i have a really funny tangential anecdote i uh i remember a few years ago seeing this clip of an mgmt concert where they it was like Coachella 2012 or 2013, and they asked everyone to throw their left shoe on stage, and everyone did. There were like thousands of shoes raining down on the stage. Why would you do that? You're never getting that shoe back. And you're at a festival. And you're at a you're festival. Gonna be at the you're rest gonna be... of the festival. Yeah. Why would you do that? Shoe. People did. Thousands of people did. There were so many shoes. They were so they were so just like into the crowd in, mentality, man. They were so into MGMT, you know. They were like, you know what? Yeah, we are fated to pretend. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, damn, I didn't know that MGMT stood for, man, give me those toes. <laughs> give me my toes. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, man, there give you me go. my you toes. Got yeah, you, you got, got there got eventually. It. I'll accept it. <laughs> it's clearly a good joke. Even when I got it wrong, y'all laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I love kind of the approach of this movie. Yes. I think its shortcomings uh, in terms of plot you know, it's a very simple story at its core. Yeah. You know, it's a prison break and escape movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, it makes up for those shortcomings by having, again, some of the coolest cinematography of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like all of the being on the run stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all the environments, those the different set pieces, um, that stuff is all really great. I think they have an eye for locations in this. Place. Yeah, totally. They have like the weird like trench village. They mm-hmm. have uh, this weird autumnal forest. They have the dump. They have the big dump, yeah. big hills, rocky hills. The river um, where where we meet the rape bus. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the rape bus real quick. I was very surprised. Um, when the the men on the rape bus all bragging about rape, I uh, uh, started by saying, "Hey, man, we really got it in China, huh? Holy shit, that's politically poignant." Yeah. Um, I was really surprised for like a Japanese movie to like own. Uh, I mean, they're that. not afraid to portray pretty much all men as rapists in this. Yeah, movie. including like yeah, like war veterans. Like I was. Yeah. Again, like when did this come out? 72. 72. Yeah, yeah, that's some um, goddamn uh, powerful, yeah, it powerful is, stuff. It is kind of surprising, um, especially considering how, like, pretty consistently conservative Japan's government has been, like, since right. World War II. Yeah. Um, and acknowledging, you know, a lot of stuff that happened yeah, in China. Yeah, but I mean, right. also, like, it's an exploitation film. It's, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think it, I think it can I can get away with it, but yeah, it's uh, those they really make you hate those characters immediately. Yes. Yeah, I that's one thing that's very much a trait of exploitation movies that I kind of respect in this movie is it's sure. not afraid to be despicable and unpleasant. Yeah, and then it ends up giving those characters their comeuppance. Yeah, you know? I mean that's that's pretty par for the course for like the rape revenge sh- sub genre. Sure, it's like yeah. it's like the sleaziest and grossest you can get, so you have no problem seeing like really grotesque, horrible things happen to bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike some of those where they're really sleazy and kind of voyeuristic, yeah, I feel like a lot of the the rape scenes in this movie are from a woman's perspective and. They focus on the disorientation of them. You know, there's a lot of spinning shots in the first one, for example. It's all from Scorpion's perspective. Um, at a certain point in both of them, both of the major ones, the the waterfall one and the Scorpion one, there's a sense of dissociation, dissociation. that happens yeah. in them. Yes. You know, the, the audio cuts out in the Scorpion one, the first one, and in the second one, we keep... You know, uh, uh, having a, a zooming over pan the up to a out of to fo- the water an out of focus water. Yeah, like they do waterfall. in that one. They <laughs> they do make the uh, motivated but <laughs> but kind of silly decision um, to keep doing it. Well, no, to put fucking uh, just straight up chimpanzee sounds over that scene mm-hmm. yeah. um I, again like it's it's perfectly motivated like it's very obvious what it's trying to say yeah, it's apes. like they're animals they're apes they're not mm-hmm. human they're not human you know they're 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 completely bestial i get it um These fucking apes and their dan flashes suits <laughs> it is it is kind of funny to over that just have <laughs> just like it's it, it's goofy. It is. It's um, what we were talking about earlier. Like it's 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 unco- it, like it is uncomfortable though. Like yeah, it's like it's it's silly. It's silly, but it is still effective. It's silly, um, but it's not afraid to be silly. Right? Yeah. You know, 
I think that's one of Again, the, it's, the coolest yeah. aspects. It's over. It. It's over the top. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least those those fucking assholes get get what's coming to yes. them. As uh, do the guards. That yeah. The rapes at the beginning. You know, we see that incredible shot of the guard just uh, dead on the hill with the giant stake. You know, yeah, with being a, impaled through with, his dick. Yeah, with a log that has just like smashed his genitals. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, the, the the makeup is really good for that too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really looks like they cartoonishly just brought the log down over him, and like there's blood spurting all around the log, and he's he, there's just like a perfect outline of flesh like around the log. Like it's it's really well done. Yeah, um, yeah. It like a, almost a Looney Tunes bit. Yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of Looney Tunes bits, when they take the whole uh, rape bus hostage. Uh, and use it uh, to try to get away from the the cops and stuff who are pursuing them. But talk about some fucking Looney Tunes shit. You know that that bus scene at times it almost reminded me of like the Devil's Rejects. Okay, yeah, yeah, kind I can kind of see that the brazen both sleaziness and embrace of the the humor in those scenes. Like one of the women is forcing. All the the men to yell bonsai. Yes. Um, bonsai. Like it's just depraved, but it finds like a humor in the depravity Dude, of it. The actor who is like terrified and she's like holding at gunpoint to say bonsai. Hilarious. Great. And does Great an performing job. It again, it's just some performances just translate all boundaries of like language and the rest, and that shit is he really hands it up, and it's great. It, it works super well. Just like, <laughs> like yeah, very, very good, very solid. Um, yeah, but she then she starts shooting out the back window after the the, the motorcycle. The motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Um, yeah, it is very Devil's Rejects. They didn't uh, they didn't play Freebird in this one though, unfortunately. But uh, I love how bad all of the guards are or the, the the cops are at setting up effective roadblocks for <laughs> for this bus <laughs> cuz they just like easily get through like 3 of them cuz they have the first one they're like oh no uh there's a checkpoint what are we going to do and they're like oh we'll just throw scorpion out and use her as a as a distraction a and it works and it works they just push her out the door and like all of the guards at the checkpoint like see her standing on the side of the road and they just run over to her clearing the road and letting the bus go through yeah. and then later when they've got like an actual like uh truck like pushed out in front of uh of the road to like create a roadblock they literally just drive around it yeah well yeah i I love that they do send the motorcyclists after them and all the rest yeah Yeah, two two guys guys, (laughs) who just get shot who just get shot immediately yeah Yeah. i mean i i do i do really uh appreciate and love um the uh just like the general incompetence of the the cops and the guards in this yeah um pretty fun i will say one of the things that i'm a little disappointed about um is i know in the last episode or on the episode on the first one you know i i expressed some disappointment that uh like sunglasses cop and like the warden you know didn't get like they're come up and they just sort of like drove off and you're like, oh, well, because they show up again in the second one. They do. That's, you know, Scorpion's unfinished business. The warden is great. He's he's very much still like the, the central uh, antagonist. Yeah. But I feel like they kind of buried Sunglasses Cop in this movie. Yeah. I feel like he was not as much of a character. In fact... The first couple times you see him, he's not even wearing his sunglasses, and I didn't recognize him until he does later. Get his comeuppance, but it's not he as satisfying does. as like the warden's comeuppance. Yeah, well, but and, and you know, like in in the first one, he feels like like a real character. You know, mm. he's like he's like one of the distinctive villains. You know, you get the feeling that he's like the the big bad guy's like right hand man, like the lieutenant. Well, yeah, that's the thing. In the first one, you know because it's mostly set in the prison, uh, it's a lot more character-driven, and, you know, right. the characters are a little more fleshed out, where in this one, it's a little more sprawling, so they don't have quite enough time to 
uh, give those characters. Yeah, and he just, and you know, in this one, like, half the time he's not even wearing his sunglasses, and he just, he feels like he got, like, in between the first and second movie, that he got, like, demoted to just, like, common goon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm a little disappointed in that because I, I I was really looking for it in the last movie to have like a, a good standoff with like sunglasses cop, and then thought it was going to happen in this one and then it didn't and he's dead now. Um, yeah. R R.I.P. Um, Rest in piss. Sunglasses cop. I I wanted to ask y'all about kind of the arc of the other inmates in this movie in regards to Scorpion. Because I feel like that arc is really kind of compelling to me it, throughout the course of this movie. Because Scorpion, at the very beginning, is in isolation, undergra- held underground, so she can't influence any of the other inmates. Because she can't stir up After the first riot, movie, we yeah. saw a riot happen. You know, we saw the aftermath of that. And uh, because the inspector comes, they bring her up, and in a way, she influences the rest of them. And yeah, she they, becomes a symbol again. They essentially put her on a cross, uh, you know, by barking crucify yeah. her, and you know, the. Uh, well, it's a cool torture device because, like, she's she's uh, yeah, she's strapped to like a like a birch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's not just, like, in a perfect cross shape. Like, it's sort of, like, hunching her forward. Like, mm-hmm. it's got several branches on it. And it's heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not, like, loaded down to the ground like a post. Like, it's just she's just strapped to it and having to hold it upright. And it's holding her upright as well. And so she could, like, tip over and fall at any moment as she grows weary holding this thing up. But they've just they're just surrounding her with barking dogs. On yeah. all sides, it's German Shepherd. So if she does fall over, the, the dogs will bite her, and it, it's cool. It, it's a it's a really fucked up torture method. Yeah, well, and beyond that, you know the the imagery of being on a cross is very literal. You know, it, you know, the inspector, the the warden goes up to the inspector and says. She's going to be a martyr if you keep treating her like this. You have to humiliate her. Yeah. And that's when the rapists on Retainer come out, much like the last movie we I covered. like how they gave them um, special uh, raping outfits. Well, they they don't look human because they're wearing pantyhose over their head and smushing and deforming their face. Yeah, I, uh, and and also like... Just big brown uh, sacks, basically. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I was going to say, they basically just look like Snuggies. <laughs> except, they, except they do go all the way around. Um, but I guess it more easily facilitates raping? I don't well, know. Well, it's I, funny because... I wouldn't know. I shouldn't say I, it's funny, I feel like funny, it was more of like but... a point of shame. Because like, um, they wear, they wear the, 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 the pantyhose over their heads, like, not just to cover their faces, but also, like, pantyhose distorts your face. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a clown. And they're also... They look they're more wearing, monstrous. They look monstrous, but also, like, silly. And their the, the weird gowns and the rest of their garb is very, like... It's almost feminine, and they're doing like feminine voices. It's while part of the down. part of the humiliation. Yeah, part of the humiliation, and like that they're doing like a show of it that they're they're being clowns, that they're you know playing at gender, that they're yeah. Well, what's it's, inspi- it's mind stuff? What's interesting to me is that mind like stuff. mind stuff they it's do like this like to humiliate Scorpion in front of all of the rest of the inmates, but the inmates are horrified to the point where it almost feels like. Like they're looking at her like a martyr. Like yeah, that it actually does the opposite of know. what the warden intends. That yeah. it actually riles them up more. And you know, in the sequence immediately after, where they're all on the van in the truck, mm. and you know, Scorpion is laying out, and uh, they they initially treat her like she was humiliated. But that turns eventually once. Yeah, well, they you know, all they attack her. Blood, you know? Yeah, they start punching and kicking her. Yeah. Well, seemingly you know, to death at first. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and, 
what what makes the the guards stop and come back to take a look, which gives them the chance to escape. And I, I kind of like the arc of the rest of the inmates throughout this movie because I feel like at first they're very hostile to Scorpion, and as time goes on, they kind of warm up in a way that feels like they're still opportunistic. You know, I think of the bus scene, for example, where they double-cross each other. Yeah. But at their core, you know, like, the one woman does come back and saves Scorpion, ultimately. Yeah, it's it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, because, like, I don't really feel like there is much of an actual arc. Like, it feels pretty static until sort of, like, the very end where, like, they're always kind of, like, looking at each other as allies of opportunity, but they do, like, share a certain sense of camaraderie in the fact that, you know, they are all in the position that they're in because they have been wronged and abused by men. And so, in that sense, they are kindred, but they're also so damaged that they are kind of monsters themselves and will readily screw each other over whenever they can. And I feel like that that is kind of how it is for the entire movie. I don't mind that. It's it's not the kind of movie where I necessarily need there to be, like, a true, like, character arc. Um, I think the dynamic is interesting. I think the characters are pretty flat. But I but their overall dynamic is interesting. Yeah, and like there's there's like a like a a certain commonality in like Eastern lit of having like villainous characters with tragic endings. Um, you know, I mean like whether it's in a grove or whatever else, but like there are like you know, these these ideas of like taking these like bad characters but you know, like making you sympathize with them by the end. Yeah, and the arc is granting not a kind their... of redemption, right? And so it's it's not that the character themselves is having an arc; it's more that we are having like a revelation about them and like how that's we the... feel about them. Changes. Our perception shifts as we gain more knowledge of them, but like they 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 stay static. You know what? I will say though, I don't know how successful that is in this movie in terms of like. The one like really nasty woman. Yeah, she the kids. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, she is like in the first one. What do we call the the group? The bitch bur- bitch brigade. Bitch brigade. <laughs> Something like that. Snitch bitches. Yeah. Snitch bitches. Snitch bitches. Yeah. Um, you know, and they have like the one like particularly nasty one who's kind of like the ringleader. Um, you know, this movie sort of repeats that formula again, um, except they sort of like even exaggerate that more. You know, she she killed, she drowned her two year old and stabbed her unborn baby in her own womb because she hated her shitty, lying, cheating husband been so much and i don't know she's like she's like pretty nasty and evil for like the whole movie and like she does like save scorpion's life at the end um when she's about to be shot by sunglasses cop and then you know they go to the dump and she just kind of dies and like scorpion is like tearing up a little bit it's like the one moment of like true emotion that we see from her in the whole movie and i don't know we're we're just coming hot off of watching it so i don't know if i've really had the time to process it yet but i don't know if that feels quite earned to me i think there's like an interesting idea that like through all of the like bad the nastiness and like the screwing each other over and shit like that, that, like, Scorpion still feels a sense of kindred with, like, this horrible, evil woman. Yeah, well... Like, I, I think that, I think there's, that's interesting. I don't know if it's... What's kind of interesting to me is, like, in the setup for all seven of these characters, they kind of try to set them up as all victims of circumstance of men. And the thing is, like, the things they're doing are so deplorable that it 
is a tenuous excuse like killing children yeah i mean it's really it's really just her who has like the most evil one though like the others all the others i feel like are somewhat more justifiable they're all like i mean the arsonist femcel yeah that's a little (laughs) bit she's so so jealous of other people's love that she sets things on fire it's like yeah that one's a little bit but like another one is like she killed her father because her father raped her or one woman was like a prostitute and like there was like a fight over well all like all the men who were in love with her and like led to violence it's kind of like vague what that's about yeah. it's like these things i feel like well, i think that isn't that kind of shown later on with the dock workers with that flash where all the women are sort of under the net i got the impression that was like her story and they were all like relating with it i don't know how true that was but, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's that's um, sort of what I got out of that sequence. Again, I, I don't mm-hmm. know for sure. There might have been something lost there. But, um, yeah, because there was that sequence early on um, where, where they're all together. They're out, the, out, out and about. And we see this clearly on a set imagined sequence where one of the girls, and I, I'm pretty sure it is the one who's the, who's the prostitute, like is has a net thrown over her and she's at the docks and all these sailors are like poking her and hitting her with oars. And then... Every time she goes down and comes back up, it's one of the other women. And I got the impression it was sort of showing, like, a solidarity that, like, even though they all have different stories, they sort of share the same story and circumstance. I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's not necessarily her story so much as it is just kind of, like, a broad metaphor for their shared experience of being trapped and abused and you know uh hurt by by men you know and of course we we have the even more of like the the same song from the first one about the woman's tears flowing like a river and drowning all of the men and stuff like that it's all very on the nose (laughs) yeah i mean i i I like that i like that stuff um again i'm just I don't know if I feel like the the sense of kinship with the the child murderer towards the end is is really is really earned. I don't know if it's worthy of of, Scor- did... of Scorpion shedding her only tear in the film. Yeah, you know? I did think it was really interesting as she was dying, saying her kids were coming for her. They're killing. Oh, they're yeah, they're yeah, killing kill her. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah Almost like... that's like that's her dying. You know, yeah. Vision is her kids coming, Seeking, yeah, for, revenge. coming for revenge. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's almost like well, it's what all about you revenge. The tears as right is is seeing like even from beyond the grave those children seeking their vengeance, yeah. right? Like, Or maybe seeing, like, what Sheik is in danger of becoming herself. Maybe yeah. it's a moment of self-awareness. I don't know. She does lot. go She does go immediately from that to, uh, you murder know, time. Murder, murder time mm-hmm. with the war, and she gets her, her black outfit oh, from the first the one back. back. Yeah, she does. Oh, my God. Like, steal this look. Yeah. She looks, she looks so fucking so cool. Good. Like, oh, my God. I love, I I love that hat. Oh, the black hat, the the the, the dress with hat, the furs, yeah. and that that big shiny knife. She looks so cool. Um, uh, yeah, I love the hat. I love the hat to bits. And she stalks him like like a like a lion stalking a gazelle in the park. And uh, like fairly open, exposed urban area, but she doesn't care. She's so confident, and she needs to kill him. And the stars align, and she does. And she she stalks him like Michael fucking Myers. Like honestly, yeah. like he keep she'll stab him and he'll run away, and then she'll just keep walking up and she'll stab him again and he'll run away, and it is mad cathartic. cathartic. Yeah, and you know, there's there's never at any point throughout any of this, there's never anyone else around. Like she's stabbing him like in the street, and just like there's there's just nobody around, and it almost makes me, especially with like how it goes leads into the very end. Like, it almost makes me wonder, like, how literal any of that is supposed to be. Like, whether she actually literally hunts him down and gets her vengeance, or if, you know, it's a 
an, a fantasy or something. I don't know. Because after or, she, yeah. after she, you know, finally like very prolonged, uh, just walking through the city, like stabbing him over and over again, he finally. Uh, stumbles down a long flight of stairs and, 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 and lands on the ground yeah. dead and his fake eye pops out and lands on the ground and then we like zoom in on it and see reflected in the eye like her standing there and then all of the other seven women appear behind her and then so even cool. more and then it cuts and the, the the end of the film is them and all of their their prison outfits like all of the women from the prison just like silently running down the street together like this is it's obviously like that at this point it's certainly not literal yeah. um but just the way that whole like her going to kill the 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 warden and everything and all it feels like a dream like yeah yeah, yeah. it's it it does feel like uh it's it's leaving the realm of reality somehow um but i mean so much of this movie does that that's what i love it about does, it's this not movie, it's not out of know? place by any means you know it's not afraid to go into dream logic and no. go weird with it you know i i think even if her only vengeance was escaping prison. Yeah. You know, that's vengeance against the warden. Well, I know there's two no more way. movies of the... There's two more of these movies, yes. so... Um, I have seen the third. I haven't seen the fourth. I have the full box set of the four, but... This bitch loves being in prison. She does. Yeah. She loves going back to prison. Well, I'm certainly... Whether it's on the podcast or not, I'm certainly down to watch the other the other two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that final shot. They're all united in vengeance together. And and that's what's cool is like even the, the super villainous one, like she died united with vengeance, you know? Like Because after all, a woman is her song, her song of vengeance. God damn right. Um girls get it done. Uh the the concept of uh being an awesome girl boss uh has existed uh for a very long time, and this is a testament to that. It's fucking sick. And I think this movie... Yeah, dog, since Joan of Arc. Since Joan of motherfucking Arc, uh, Lady Godiva, you name it, we're here, <laughs> and it's rad. What's, uh, <laughs> um, what are we, uh, you know, I, 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 this is all coming from, like, three cis white dudes just hanging yeah. out doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're allies. We're allies, yeah, we're, we're doing our best. You know? Let's get it done. Yeah. We've got lessons to learn, we're, we're trying, you know. All right, anyway, enough of that bullshit. Uh, what are we, what are we ready to rate? Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. sure. I have a question about the movie after we write, but let's write first. Okay. Well, Ben, this is your pick, so uh, you start yeah, us off. This, this is a movie that I wanted to cover ever since I first saw it, um, especially this one. Um, this one is maybe my favorite exploitation movie of all time. Wow. Well, I think choice. it's the one of the coolest shot movies of all time and a big inspiration in terms of visuals. Um, I do think it's a little messy in terms of story, but that doesn't even matter it's to me because it's so iconic. Yeah. I fucking love this movie. This is an easy, no-brainer five out of five to me. Cleveland? I gave the last movie a five. I gotta give this one a five. Like, simple as. Uh, for all the reasons we've said. All right, well... Sorry, I gotta be the stinker on you this one. You son of a bitch! Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's not even that much of a stinker. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a strong four out of five. I do really like this. Um, I, I don't think it's... Uh, in terms of a climax, I don't think this one is as good as, like, the the prison revolt in the first the, one. He doesn't really tumble down the stairs. He just kind of slowly walks down the stairs at the yeah. end. I, ah, yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not just that. Um, sure. You know, I've... I've I've gone. I've gone into it. I, I I have some minor problems with this movie, but yeah, it was a great time. I, I like it. I, I've I'm continuing to enjoy this series, um, and uh, I I'm I'm definitely on board with uh, with female prisoner Scorpion. Hell yeah! <laughs> Curious Already. to see her her future adventures. Well, that will give. Uh, Oh God! What is this movie called? Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse Forty One. Yes. An average of four point seven out of five. Um, so yeah, I, I, once again, just like the last one, we watched the the nice Arrow Blu Ray. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, uh, big recommend. It looks yeah, great. The box set is amazing. Looks fantastic. Arrow regularly does fifty percent off sales, so, so I think the whole box set of four is like. 
60 70 bucks worth no brainer you're getting four banger movies oh yeah i want to see the extra credits at some point all the special yeah. features you said yeah. i have a question yeah sure real you guys ready to get real stupid yeah all right always so uh here we go here's my question who would win in a fight female prisoner scorpion or ricky o um, uh, is it I sexist mean, if I say Ricky O? It would be Ricky O. That, that feels like a no-brainer. To Honestly, me. I was thinking I about Ricky O. She's pretty resourceful in the the scene where the inspector comes out in this movie because it felt very similar. I, mean, I think the to whole, where the like, they're based on a manga. They're uh, they're prison movies. They're they're uh, movies. the warden has a fucked up eye. The warden has a fucked up eye. Uh, I, I mean, I think Riccio very obviously inspired by this oh, movie. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Hundred yeah. percent. I think we probably said that in the last one too. Yeah, but I just yeah, I thought I thought it'd be a fun. I question. mean. I, I still think I mean, Riccio no Riccio does end with like him punching she, like the let's wall let's like let's just the whole be thing collapsing like he's yeah, superhuman like let's let's be real like female prisoner scorpion is a badass but like she doesn't really like fight anybody she's resourceful, you know though. she's resourceful yeah. she show up with a knife and stab you when you least expect it but like Riccio is like punching people's heads off man like come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like is it <laughs> It's not a question. <laughs> well, um, next week, it's time for our mid-year catch-up. Yes. Which means it's time to announce the winner of uh, our halfway through the year predictions. Ben? Yes. In third place with seven points, it is me. <laughs> oh damn! In, the, in, third, ah, in third place, good, good scrub. Uh, Rest in pepperoni. Second place has twelve points, and first place has sixteen points. Ooh! Ooh yeah. In second place, it is Cleveland. Hey, I'll take it. Twelve. And in first place is Matisse. Yes. yes. So I will be choosing the two films that we're going to talk about next week, and you know. I've been, I've been thinking, I've been thinking a lot about duality. Oh, <laughs> I've been thinking, you know, about light and dark, yin and yang. Okay. As above, so below, solve et coagula, so on and so forth. <laughs> so, my my curation for our mid year catch up, uh, I'm calling this Cleveland's despair, Cleveland's delight. <laughs> <laughs> As for beating me out by a by a by a small margin. Yeah. All right. So Cleveland's Cleveland's despair, Cleveland's delight. So with <laughs> okay, one okay. with one hand I giveth and with one hand I taketh away. <laughs> um, one movie. The first movie we're going to be talking about is a movie that I uh, that I really want to see, but I know for a fact Cleveland has seen multiple times and hates for some reason. So we're going to find out why. Uh, that's the Outwaters. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not looking forward to that. Good movie. Which is... Uh, yeah, ben, uh, see, Ben has seen it, and I've seen it. Ben I, I'm, the, yeah, it. I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. Yeah. I feel like it's very up my alley. Um, I remember it was being talked about uh, a lot in the same breath as Skinnamarink, which Cleveland understand. is also a hair of. Blair Witch adjacent. I understand why people talk. were talking about Skinnamarink. I don't understand why people were talking about Outwaters. Well, oh, save it. That makes one of us. Save uh, it Save it for next week. And uh, for, for the other side, for Cleveland's delight, oh. uh, I've chosen a film that I know Cleveland really wanted to do- cover for the podcast that I partic- don't particularly want to, <laughs> but uh you know i'm uh, again duality Duality. um so the second (laughs) film we're going to be talking about is the pope's exorcist (laughs) yeah sick awesome (laughs) awesome oh yeah i get to hear uh fucking russell crowe doing a bad italian accent that's all i wanted thank you riding riding on a moped you don't want to see the garlic I'll admit I'm a little curious at this point. I'll I'll admit I'm a little curious. It was really, it was really the, it was really that that picture of him on the Vespa, (laughs) uh, where he's where he's looking immensely like Orson Welles. Yeah, I was like, I was like. Yeah, okay, I kind of do want to see this, actually. Um, so, uh, ex- expecting that one to be bad, but... Um, hopefully fun bad. Hopefully fun bad. Yeah, uh, so that'll be next week for our, our, our mid-year catch-up. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
I hope you are too. Yeah. Sponsor. Sponsor time. It's the time where we do a sponsor time. It is that time. All right. This week is brought to you by the nuclear family. This time, they're radioactive. (laughs) Waking up. Ash and dust. I wipe my butt and I slap my nuts. (laughs) I've got I've got nothing to add. That'll, that'll bring us that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode uh, if you like the show be sure to leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or an independent show we don't advertise so uh, giving us good ratings and reviews helps us more than you can imagine uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod shout out to the honorary pod boys Sam, Zach, and Micah <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. Uh, for my recommendation corner this week, uh, you know what? We we briefly mentioned it before we recorded, but the movie Harakuri, um, Harakari... Harakiri. Harakiri. Yeah, dude. Um, from the 60s Whatever. is one of the greatest Japanese movies of all time. I would strongly recommend it. It's a fucking banger. The remake is Go really good, too. Out. Highly recommend both. Do a double feature. Watch the original. Watch the remake. They're both dope. Sure. All right. Uh, yeah. Hi. I'm Cleveland Mosher. You know who it is. Yeah. I got that dog in me. Um, that um uh i've got that dog in me and uh i also as you also likely know work for dread xp we're working on some fucking sick games mfn is just around the corner go give it a wish list go check it out um and uh you know what uh i don't think we have anything uh in the steam next oh actually no the steam next fest is over by this point by the time (laughs) we're coming up anyway yeah go uh go support games go play video games and have an awesome time Oh, and and I, I love you. I think you're you're a sweet angel and delightful. Well, thanks for listening. It's time for us to sign off because we we get we got we got to do something to get this dog out of Cleve. Yeah, and everybody having a bar. Until the fellas start the name calling. And the girls respond to the call. I have a poor one shot on. Who let the dogs out? 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 I see the young people on the ball push. Billy Bond and Get back, Ruffy. Get back, you flee, invest in.